All right. Hello, everyone. <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, as you may know, I, I, I'm in retreat here in La Vida this week, and that's lots of fun. Um, but we're on break in the afternoon, so I, I felt there was no reason not to go ahead and come and see you all. Uh, so it's good to see you. Uh, we are here, of course, as, as Sina just said, for the seven steps to awakening and out of the stillness. And we're going to begin today on number 259 in step two. So if you're following along, that's the place. So here's what number 259 says from seven steps to awakening. That which is, sorry, I'm getting loud. <laughs> I was like, that. I don't know where that came from. It just exploded. We'll see if this is that good. <laughs> That which is spoken of as the life of life. And for those who, of you who are not looking at it, the first life is a capital L. The second life is a little L. Hey, everyone. That which is spoken of as the life of life itself is the true life. Okay, maybe that was worth yelling. I love that sentence so much. It just blew my heart open. I want to say it again. No wonder my, it's like, it's like my voice knew what was coming. So it exploded like blowing a trumpet, right? <laughs> Here comes something good. That which is spoken of as the life of life itself is the true life. The other life is merely the body. That illusory knowledge mediated by the senses is nothing but delusion. The pure consciousness that underlies it alone is true consciousness. So just let me read that one more time for y'all. That which is spoken of as the life of life itself is the true life. I love that sentence. <laughs> That which is spoken of as the life of life itself is the true life. The other life is merely the body. That illusory knowledge mediated by the senses is nothing but delusion. The pure consciousness that underlies it alone is true consciousness. So I want to start by looking at the sentence that says, that illusory knowledge mediated by the senses is nothing but delusion. Not First of all, I want to say not that there's anything wrong with it. I think sometimes when we read sentences that says something's a delusion or something's an illusion, something in the mind says bad. <laughs> I just like you to notice it didn't say that, right? It did not say bad. Um, but what it's saying is that, you know, as we look around and we see people and we see things, that is not what they actually are. That's all it's saying. You know, what the eyes see is not the truth. Doesn't mean it's bad. Uh, doesn't even mean it's impractical. You know, one example I've used many times is it's really important to know the difference between a cup and a toilet, right? You know, so it, it, it's not bad and it can even be quite practical, but it's not the truth, right? And we supposedly are here to learn the truth. And so that's what this is focusing us on is the truth. 
the first sentence focused on the truth. That which is spoken of as the life of life itself is the true life. So, um, you know, when we look at things or people, in most cases, um, we aren't contemplating or being aware of the life of life itself. If I'm looking at a person, uh, what often happens in the in the mind is, you know, especially if it's a person that I know well, I know everything I like about them, I know everything I don't like about them, I know what I perceive as their faults. You know, I'm bringing all of that to what I'm looking at. Do you guys agree? Bringing all of that to what I'm looking at. And this is saying that's a delusion. When I do that, when I bring all of that to what I'm looking at, I'm missing this true life, right? That's all it's saying. I'm missing this true life. So that which is spoken of as the life of life itself is true life. By the way, it just occurred to me to remind you that we're in step two. And this, the objective for step two is to see, know that all of the following are dreamlike illusions. The world, the body, the universe, all dimensions, all events, motions, and actions, time, right? That's the objective. And then it also says almost all of the words in a dictionary describe dreamlike illusions. So what the purpose of chapter two is, to shift our attention from the world as reality to true life as reality. Again, it doesn't mean the world is bad. Uh, it just means that the world is an appearance. It's an appearance rather than the reality, which is the foundation of the appearance. And so as this is saying, again, that which is spoken of as the life of life itself is true life. That other, and then in quotes, life, is merely the body. That illusory knowledge mediated by the senses is nothing but delusion. The pure consciousness that underlies it alone is true consciousness, right? So that's, that's where the focus goes for what is the truth, right? It's that which creates everything, animates everything, is everything right? So let's see what I did in my journal with number 259. The core of life before the mind, senses, and world are added is true life, eternal life, reality, and ever-present self. I'll read that again. The core of life before the mind, senses, and world are added is true life, eternal life, reality, and every present self. Now, um, there's a game that I used to play, and a lot of y'all may be aware of this game because uh, it's in the Regina's Games playlist, but it's actually also, if you've taken MPP, it's in the Ramana Maharshi MPP class. Um, and I played this game, you know, I don't know if beginner is exactly the right word, but um, 
I played this game when I was attempting to discern what awareness is. I mean, how many of y'all, when you first hear about things like awareness, watching awareness, meditation, don't really know what awareness is, right? It's funny that we don't. That shows just how much we've ignored it, right? <laughs> uh, but we don't. And so that's the space I was in. You know, I, I, I had Michael Langford as a as a friend and teacher, and he wanted me to meditate, awareness, watching awareness. And, you know, I, I just wasn't sure what awareness was. It sounds silly to me now, but it's where I was. So what I started doing was playing this game. Now, some of it's imagination, but it was extremely helpful to me. Um, I would start by, you know, looking at everything that's around. Um, and then I would close my eyes. Now, sight has been taken away. What's still here? And then I would plug my ears. Now, but and eyes closed, right? So with both sight and sound taken away, what's still here? And then the next part I had to imagine, but it was still effective, even though I imagined it. I imagined that I was put in like one of those sensory perception tanks so that I could feel nothing, smell nothing, taste nothing, see nothing, hear nothing. Like I have no senses whatsoever. What's still here? And I would use that to tune me into awareness because that's what was still here, right? I would use that to tune me into awareness prior to meditation. So awareness is that which is here before everything else is added, right? Still here while everything else is added, but clearly we, uh, in normal life, we ignore it because when we start hearing about awareness and awareness watching awareness, we're like, what the heck is that? <laughs> you know, we don't know. Um, so I found that as a very helpful game. Uh, so again, oops, I'm in my journal. Again, the journal says the core of life before the mind, senses, and world are added is true life, eternal life, reality, and ever-present self. And of course, whatever is true for me is also true for everyone and everything. So when I take myself back through, you know, that game, through self-inquiry, through whatever way I take myself back to, you know, that which is primary, that which is first, what I'm experiencing there is what, you know, my dog, Ellie, experiences, right? She actually experiences the exact same awareness I experience. Um, so, so that's true life. Right, that's the foundation not only for humans, but for everything. And again, you know, uh, I, I know for some people it takes faith to know that like a tree has awareness. But you know, I, I was blessed to have that mystical experience of being the apple, so I know that even nature has awareness. And you know, scientists are beginning to talk about this. Right, I saw something not too long ago that, and, and I'm sorry for what I'm about to say because I know this makes some of y'all feel bad. <laughs> But scientists are, are saying that they believe plants not only suffer, but they scream, you know, when they're not getting enough water, when they're, you know, whatever it is they need, just like a baby would cry, oh, I need water. They're saying that the plants do that. 
In order for a plant though to cry, you know, in a way that scientists are somehow able to measure, doesn't it need to have awareness, right? So, so this awareness, this is the basis, this is the foundation, this is the true life. And of course, one thing I've uh, contemplated over and over again, I think I talked to you guys about contemplating back, didn't I? About, you know, what were you before you were born? right? Didn't we do that contemplation and we go back and okay, so let's go back to the sperm. What were you before you were a sperm? And, and right, we, there's no beginning to life. And then we said, going forward, the same is true. There's no end to life. So that, that true life is ongoing. The forms come and go, right? But the true life doesn't ever go. It just keeps manifesting in different ways as different things. And enlightenment is awakening to that as what I am, you see? And, and that's why, you know, enlightenment says, I do not die, or enlightenment is called eternal life because it's not identified with the body. It's not identified with any form. It's identified with, for lack of better words, it's identified with that which continues and continues and continues, or what this is calling true life. See, I even love the word. Do you see that? What happened to me when I just said those words? True life. You know, Whew. that's what it's all about. That's really what it's all about. And, and, and that's what we're here to place our attention on, to place our realization on, to embrace as the truth, that true life. So uh, I'll read each of these again and, and, and then we'll move on unless something else arises. So starting with the seven steps, that which is spoken of as the life of life itself is true life. The other life is merely the body. That illusory knowledge mediated by the senses is nothing but delusion. The pure consciousness that underlies it alone is true consciousness, underlies it. And then from my journal, the core of life before the mind, senses, and world are added is true life, eternal life, reality, and ever-present self. So let me just take a drink and then we will, we will move on to number 260. If I can take a drink, this, this thing has huge sleeves and I'm setting on my sleeves so I couldn't get my drink to my mouth. <laughs> All right, number 260 starting with the seven steps to awakening. The supreme reality in which the noble nature of pure grace flourishes and which merges with us so that all the many false appearances such as this birth and the next birth cease to exist, shines out 
as the truth imbued and flawless eye. I have a feeling we're reading Muru Ganar. I didn't know that with the last sentence. <laughs> I could be wrong. This sounds like the way Muru Ganar likes to word things. Yep, Muru Ganar. Um, the supreme reality in which the noble nature of pure grace flourishes and which merges with us so that all the many false appearances, such as this birth and the next birth, cease to exist, shines out as the truth imbued and flawless eye. So he's talking about his experience of um, having his, you know, again, for lack of a better word, identification shift from Muru Ganar to this true life. And when that shift happens, well, there's no such thing as this birth or next birth, right? If you're identified with the true life that is all things, it does it's not born. It doesn't die. I mean, we did that when we traced back who were you before you were born and we traced back, we couldn't find a beginning, right? And you also cannot find an end. So there is no birth or death. The interesting thing, it doesn't mean that manifestation doesn't continue. You know, I, I have known some people, and I really don't think it's any of you. I've never heard any of you say this to me, but I have known people since I've been on the spiritual path who literally thought that somehow we were supposed to make this body eternal. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a misunderstanding of what this spiritual path is about. That's still keeping the eye right here, right? I am going to become eternal. And, and some people, I mean, I have known people who literally thought this body could live forever. And they share, they have shared with me stories about, look, here's this yogi in India. He's already 750 years old. And, you know, this is where they're putting their faith, right? That that's what this is about. But then there are other people, and maybe all of us at one time believe this next level. There are other people who somehow there's an I here that we know is beyond the body, but it's still me, right? Like, like a, you know, a soul maybe, right? An individual soul. And we think that that's how we're eternal, right? Through that. And of course, that's what might reincarnate as other people, right? Um, but this is not talking about that either, right? This is not talking about any thing specific that you could identify with. If it's anything specific, specific meaning different from other things, that's not what it's talking about. And even my eternal soul is different than Jacqueline's eternal soul. Do you agree the way we think of those things? Therefore, that's not what we're talking about here. So we're talking about, again, that foundational life that is in the blade of grass, the tree, the rock the dog, the deer, the fly, the moth, and this body. You know, we could go on and on listing things. It's when the identification shifts with that, there cannot be death, there cannot be birth, even though manifestation continues, because I'm not identified with the manifestations. Right? Manifestations continue to come and go, 
but the identification is with the true life. I remember once somebody told me, because they knew that this person knew that Peace Pilgrim was my inspiration. The person said to me, well, you know, Peace Pilgrim couldn't have been enlightened. She was killed in a car wreck. You know, that's, that's putting the identification with the body. I would imagine that some people felt that way about Jesus. I would imagine that there were followers that he had that we don't know by name that when he was crucified for them, it was like, oh, shit, I thought he was the one. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, so, um, so, we, so this is, again, it's about a shift in identification. It's about a shift in identification. So number 260. The supreme reality in which the noble nature of pure grace flourishes and which merges with us so that all the many false appearances, such as this birth and the next birth, cease to exist. Can you just see that? I mean, you know, even if you're just imagining, can you just see how that's true that if, you, if your identification switches to what we're calling true life, birth and death cease to exist, right? There's no birth or death in that. The supreme reality in which the noble nature of pure grace flourishes and which merges with us so that all the many false appearances, such as this birth and the next birth, cease to exist. Now, again, he writes really funny. So he's talking about this supreme reality. Back to the very first words. The supreme reality shines out as the truth imbued and flawless eye. That's another thing. You know, the human is never perfect. Now, whatever, whatever the word perfect means. <laughs> I mean, that's another thing is we make up what perfect means. You know, my idea of perfect and somebody else's idea of perfect can be completely different. But whatever perfect means, uh, the human never is, right? The human never is. But is there any way that true life can be anything but perfect? I mean, all it can be is itself, right? It can't be anything but perfect. So at this point, if this is the eye, the eye is indeed flawless. The human may still make mistakes, but the eye is indeed flawless. Do you agree? Let's look at 260 in the journal, see what I did with this. True self is the core of life not that which comes after. And by comes after, I mean added to, like we read about in the previous journal entry, you know, the mind, the senses, the world. True self is the core of life, not that which comes after. Identifying with that which comes after, that which is temporary, is the cause of all suffering. From the position of true I, there is nothing to suffer. There is only ongoing, ever being, pure grace love. 
And then here I gave myself an assignment because again, we got to remember I'm looking at my journal. Watch the tendency to identify with elements other than the core. When this tendency is noticed, shift attention to awareness of present core being. Watch the tendency. First of all, that word tendency, it means, you know, this is happening all the time. That's what that word means to me, right? All the time I'm doing this. So watch the tendency to identify with elements other than the core. Um, you know, of course, I don't remember exactly why I chose to write this the way I did, but what comes to me now is I didn't want to limit to, you know, watch the tendency to identify with the body. I didn't want to limit it to watch the tendency to identify with thought. You know, <laughs> watch the tendency to identify as the role mother. I mean, you know, it just felt like there were probably a lot of things that I had the tendency to identify with that were not true life. And I wanted to watch all of them. I wanted to watch the tendency to identify with anything that wasn't true life. And then when I caught myself identifying with something that wasn't true life, to shift into being aware of awareness, to shift into presence and, and to notice that that is I. To notice that that is I. You know, when I um, wave this Gatorade in front of my face and I look at it, I know the Gatorade is not I because I can feel the I is here, the Gatorade is there. I can feel that, right? I, I don't even have to think about it. I know it's not me because I'm here, it's there. Well, what of course, what I learned to do, and I know that probably all of y'all have learned to do this too, but what I learned to do was to see, for example, thoughts as the same as Gatorade, right? I, I could see that they were in front of me, right? They're passing by in front of me. I am here and they are there. Therefore, they can't be me. Whatever is me has to be here where I am. All right, whatever is me has to be here where I am. And with the body, you know, the way I played with the body was uh, in meditation, you know, I would settle down by just noticing the sensations. You know, I often start meditations that way, just noticing the sensations. It seems to really quiet the mind. It's a helpful entry point. But then start tuning into the sensations in a way where I can tell that they are also there. I mean, in a very, very subtle way, if you look, the sensation is there and I am somehow here. Like I'm, I, I, you know, I mean, I don't know how to describe it well, but I could tell that it was not me. It was apart from me. It was an object I was aware of. Likewise. I knew what I was because I was here. I was not in front. I was not there. 
I was here and I was always here under every circumstances, no matter how subtle the looking became. Like you have to get really subtle to see that the body is there. You even have to get somewhat subtle to see that the mind is there. But when you get that subtle, what you can also see is that I am here and I cannot be there. I am only here. And so you become very aware of what you are. So again, when this says, watch the tendency to identify with elements other than the core, when this tendency is noticed, shift attention to awareness of present core being. I'm being aware of, you know, a lot of people call it awareness, but another word that I've used based on how I just described, you know, playing with this, hearness. Right? I'm shifting to my awareness of hearness. Another, another thing that was very helpful was nowness as what I am. You know, like um, I don't know what time is it? An hour and a half ago, I was at the retreat house with all of these people. It's not that long ago, hour and a half ago. So I can look back at an hour and a half ago and I can remember that. I can remember where I was sitting. I can remember where, you know, some of these people were sitting. You know, I can remember all of that. And then I look at right now. And what I can see is that now has a quality of existence that an hour and a half ago does not have. It is just a memory. I can feel the difference. Right, I, I can know the difference. I don't have to think about it. It's just, it's, a, it's an obvious difference between a memory and present. And then I would start tuning in to the fact that always, 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 I am now. Now and I are, the, are simultaneous. They're the same thing, right? You know, some people may word it as I am always here or I am always now. But I could, I could feel that. I could know that. Didn't have to think about it. And, and it proved itself every time I, I, I looked. <clears throat> In fact, I came to see the word I, here, and now as synonymous. They're the same thing. They're not even different things. Whatever that is. So again, my assignment was, you can see why I made up all these games to play, right? My assignment was watch the tendency to identify with elements other than the core. When this tendency is noticed, shift attention to awareness of present core being. So I could shift into hereness, I could shift into nowness, I could shift into awareness. How I did it, irrelevant. And every time it was true that I am that. It was never over there. It was never behind me in time or in front of me in time, right? <laughs> never. So reading the entire 260 again. Self is the core of life, not that which comes after, or we could say not that which is added. Identifying with that which comes after that which is temporary is the cause of all suffering. From the position of true I, 
there is nothing to suffer. There is only ongoing, ever being, pure grace love. Watch the tendency to identify with elements other than the core. When this tendency is noticed, shift attention to awareness of present core being. Okay, we've, def we've discussed that second paragraph, but let me pop back up into the first paragraph where it says, identifying with that which comes after, that which is temporary, is the cause of all suffering. You know, we hear teachings like, this is just one example. We hear teachings like um, desire is the cause of suffering, right? Isn't that um, a famous Buddhist teaching? Desire is the cause of suffering. Um, some people believe that. Some people are like, oh no, I, I don't believe that. <laughs> I chose to test it. I chose to test it. So I chose to start paying attention. When I desire something, am I perfectly happy right now? And after testing it and testing it and testing it, you know what I found out? Never, never. There were qualities of the suffering. Sometimes it was very subtle. Sometimes it was very great. But every time I wanted something that wasn't here, wanted something that wasn't now, wanted something different, every time there was some degree of suffering. And then I began to also notice the, the flip side of that, that when I wasn't wanting anything, you know, it could just be because I'm sitting on the porch on a beautiful day and, and you know, even the human, even the human mind is happy with it, regardless, you know, it doesn't have to be like esoteric or anything, but when I'm not wanting anything, oh my God, I'm happy. You know, I mean, I could just be eating a chocolate bar, but in that moment, since I don't want anything, I'm quite satisfied with the, with the chocolate bar. I'm happy. And, and so I got past the fact, you know, you, you know, we tend to think that, well, it's sitting on the back porch on a beautiful day that makes me happy, or it's the chocolate bar that makes me happy. But as I played with both sides of this equation, what I started to notice is that's not true. The truth is when I am just with everything as it is and not asking for anything that isn't here or not asking for anything that isn't now or not asking anything to be different, happiness is natural, right? And I may temporarily do that, do that while enjoying the chocolate bar, but it's not the chocolate bar. It's that for that five minutes, I temporarily quit wanting anything else. So what I began to notice it says, identifying with that which comes after, that which is temporary is the cause of suffering. What I began to notice, I call this self-will. Some people might call this mind. No. Um, but when I wanted, when I identified with, is a better way of saying this, when I identified with what the self-will wanted, I suffered. One degree or another. You know, subtle or extreme, but when I wanted what the self-will wanted, I suffered, which means, first of all, let me just ask you guys a question. Is the Regina Don Akers self-will permanent or temporary? Temporary, right? I mean, it, it didn't exist before this body was born. 
uh, the way it is now didn't even exist when this body was five. There was a different self-will right, at five than there is now. So it's temporary. So when I'm identified with that temporary thing, I suffer. Right? It, it just became obvious. And if, and if I tune into true life, whether I call it awareness or here or now or what, whatever I call it, but when I tune into that, I never, ever, ever found a desire in it. It is just ising. It is just is. It has no desire. So how could it suffer? How could it suffer? And so what I came to learn through playing these games, through this contrast, through looking over and over again, is that if I could learn to just be with whatever is, I would always be happy. You might call that emulating the true life. Because even the mind was involved in that decision. The mind was, you know, going to learn to let go, right, of wanting stuff. Uh, you could also call it the shrinking of the self-will or the disappearance of the self-will, right? And I began to play that game. I began to play the game of not wanting. When I noticed that I was identifying with the self-will I want, I would play the game of, no, I'm okay as it is. And what happened as I played that is that it became uh, a genuine experience. Like somewhere along the line, can't tell you when, can't tell you the day or time, but there was this shift where I could feel the natural happiness of now as it is. And that's even when, you know, you could argue things aren't going well. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm having to, you know, because it's what I have to do in life, I'm having to resolve a problem. You know, some people think the word problem means that, that you want something different. You know, that's, that's the way we're kind of trained. If there's a problem, Regina, if you're saying you had a problem you had to resolve, then you must have wanted something different. Would you believe that's not true? At some point, this shift becomes so deep that the problem's what's here now, and it's okay. And the fact that it falls on me to do something with it is here now, and that's okay. And the step I'm taking is okay. The fact that that step didn't work is okay. And so the next step I'm taking is okay. And the reason that's true is because the true life is none of those things. You know, the true life is what's running in the background the whole time. And so what's happening through all of these practices that I'm describing is somehow in a not in a way where the decision where the decision comes from the mind, like, okay, I am now going to identify with the true life. As far as I know, you can't ever do that. You just can't. It just doesn't happen that way. But through all of these practices and this looking and this comparing and this noticing and all of this stuff, somehow at a level that isn't conscious, the identification shifted to that. So that no matter what was here in front, it was okay 
because the identification is not going out to the self-will or out to the front. The identification staying in the back. And so you go right along with life, right along with whatever happens, right along with whatever you have to work on, right along with whatever you have to solve, right along with whatever conflicts and form that you have to resolve. And it doesn't touch you. You know, I, a song that often comes into my head, often, remember MC Hammer from the 80s? Can't touch that. You know, you can't touch this, right? That's it. And like I said, the interesting thing about it is it's not a, it's not a conscious decision. Somehow through the act of, of these practices, it just happened. And um, at the level of mind, at the level of that type of awareness, mental being aware of, the only reason you know that it happened, because it doesn't announce itself with a, with a, with a bugle, <laughs> or at least it didn't for me. The only reason that you know it happened is because you notice the difference. Again, the contrast. You can tell that you are moving about handling problems, even sometimes complex ones, and they're not touching you. You're like MC Hammer, right? They're not touching you. You're just doing your part because it's your part to do it. But there's nothing in you that's upset about this. There's nothing in you that's saying this problem shouldn't be here. There's nothing in you that's saying I want it different, even though you're resolving the problem. That's just not going on. You're just being like the true life, right? Like the true life. So Self is the core of life, not that which comes after. Identifying with that which comes after, that which is temporary, is the cause of all suffering. From the position of true I, there is nothing to suffer. There is only ongoing, ever-being, pure grace, love. Um, as I mentioned, we're in retreat this week, and, and uh, one thing I brought up in retreat, and it's okay with me that not everybody feels the same way I do. I just want to say that as a disclaimer. But, you know, one thing I, I, I've noticed for years is a lot of people that we might call enlightened or awake or, or whatever term we put on it, sometimes I'll hear them say things like, well, you know, sometimes anger just arises. <laughs> um, but I said, is that's not my experience. My experience is if anger was to arise or annoyance was to arise, or, you know, I, I haven't experienced jealousy, but if jealousy was to, I mean, I did maybe many, many years ago, but not in any recent history that's worth talking about. <laughs> but if anything was to arise like that, if I look, I find that I went back to identifying with something. I believed a thought for a moment. I went back to something temporary. And if you just think about it for a moment, at some level that has to be true because can, can true life get angry? Can the life force get angry? I don't think it can. So I must not be identified with the life force 
If I'm angry, I must have identified with something else. And so what that means to me, and again, I'm using anger as the example. It could be any of these emotions that aren't natural. If I get angry, what that says to me is you just identified with something. And what I do is go look for what I identified with so that I can disidentify. I usually call that let it go. Um, I don't judge myself for it. I don't say, oh, you're a failure, you know, I just shift. It's that simple. I just shift. And as long as I'm not identifying with anything that, as this says, comes after or anything that's added to true life, what I find is just this happiness, peace, okayness well-being. I mean, that's what's to me that that's what's natural. That's what's natural. But as I was about to say, the way that you know that this identification either has shifted or is in the process of shifting is you start to notice, you know, with the mind, with that type of awareness, there's a, there's a mental observer and then there's this behind the scenes thing. But with the mental observer, the way that you know that this is occurring is because you start to notice the upsetness is not occurring when you know before it would have, right? I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not stupid. You know yourself, you know the personality, you know the personality would have been upset about that. And it's not that you're trying not to be upset. It's not that you're talking yourself out of being upset. It's that upset didn't happen. And it didn't happen. Because at a subconscious level, the identification is resting with the true life and true life doesn't get upset. It just doesn't. It just allows everything. So this is your evidence that the shift is at least occurring. And as you continue the practices, remember, you're not actually controlling anything here. You're not making yourself not get mad. You're not making yourself not get frustrated. You're not making yourself not desire. I promise you that won't work. In fact, if you even imagine trying to make yourself not get mad, you can feel the suffering in that, right? Like that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. It'll never work. What you're doing is you're willingly participating in these practices. You know, just noticing, oh, yeah, when I want chocolate and I don't have it, there's a suffering going on here. Ah, you know, when I'm not wanting anything, there's a happiness going on here. Just, you know, oh, I notice I'm identifying. I'm going to shift back to being aware of awareness. Just by doing these practices, the shift in identification happens at a subconscious level. You don't do that. You're just playing along with the games. Right? You're just playing along with the games. So number 260 in the journal. Self is the core of life, not that which comes after. Identifying with that which comes after, that which is temporary. That's, oh, I keep thinking I'm done. And then I read another word like, oh, no, I'm not done. That's another little kind of litmus test you can kind of play with. Am I identifying with something temporary now? 
right? If you are, but then, then you're not identifying with truth because we all know that truth isn't temporary. Do you agree? So it doesn't matter what I'm talking about, a thought, uh, uh, what else are there besides thoughts? A feeling in the body, uh, an illness, uh, uh, a role. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. If I can verify that it's temporary, <laughs> so many things you can, right? If I can verify that it's temporary, then I can, in a non-judgmental way, realize that my identifying with it is, is a mistake. A mistake meaning if I want to move in the direction of having this subconscious identification with true life, this conscious identification with this thing is not helping me in that direction, right? It's kind of like if the restaurant's to the right, I just took a left, right? It's, it, it's, it, it's a mistake. It's the wrong direction. So you can do that litmus test if you want to. That's a game I've never played, I'll be honest. It just occurred in my mind. But you could play that game, just the game of, am I identifying with something temporary, right? It's just a simple game. And again, you don't have to think, you don't have to figure out, you will know the answer instantly. Right? All you have to do is ask the question, am I identifying with something temporary? And if I am, now am I willing to shift from that, find what isn't temporary and place my attention with it? Again, you can't actually consciously identify with it, but you can consciously put your attention to it, right? Am I identifying with something temporary? Oh yeah. All right, let me shift back to awareness. Shift back to here, shift back to now. Whatever version of shifting back is working for you in the moment. So self is the core of life, not that which comes after. Identifying with that which comes after, that which is temporary, is the cause of all suffering. From the position of true I, there is nothing to suffer. There is only ongoing, ever-being, pure grace love. Watch the tendency to identify with elements other than the core. When this tendency is noticed, shift attention to awareness of present core being. And again, I just want to emphasize that with the intellect, you cannot shift your identification. You can shift your attention and the rest takes care of itself, right? So in that way, you don't have to do this right? You could say you're cooperating with it rather than doing it. So um, we have eight minutes left. What the heck? Let's move on. Oh my God. No, we're not going to move on. Let me show you why. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know if you guys can see this. This is the next one. This is the first part. And then you turn the page and there's the rest of the quote. So I, I don't know if we can do that in eight minutes. So uh, now six minutes. So why don't we just open the floor and uh, see if anybody has anything they would like to say, either here in the room, I have several people in the room with me or here in the sanctuary, uh, anybody is free to speak. But if you're in the room and you speak, you gotta come over here so they can hear you. All right, Marisol. 
No, Tina. Sorry. You, I, I, I had to lean it. Is it Tina or Mar it's Marisol, isn't it? Tina, I can't see very good. Okay, go ahead, Tina. If it's me, it's me, Tina. Um, this probably makes no sense, but my brain got stuck when you were talking about true, uh, I can't even say it, like life. True life, yeah. Yeah. And you were talking about how, so it's not really a soul, it's not really this. And I'm like, whoa, like, I don't know. Because, so my question is, and this is probably nothing to do with this, but I had this, one of my friends did one of these, um, she brought up a, something called a Kashik records to me. Okay. I, I don't know what that is, but is that, is that anything? If it's not anything I would give my attention to. Just hearing right. the name tells me I'm not interested in it. That's all I have okay. to say. Nothing thank about you. it. But, uh, yeah. I don't either. So, but thank you. I, I wanted to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Isn't that funny? She wanted to hear it, which means she already knew. She just needed confirmation of her own inner guidance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else have anything to say? Okay. Who is that? That's Lynn. Go ahead, Lynn. I'm not sure how to, how to word this, but I, I'm just thinking in the process of releasing conditioning by whatever means through inquiry, I, I find emotions can arise all on their own. Yeah, that's what some people say, yeah. Um, and so would there not be, uh, well, let me put it, say, so there's no identification with it. It's kind of like when thoughts are going by. If, yeah. If it comes up and I'm recognizing this is just part of what I'm engaged, this is what I want to allow this to move, whatever it is, and not yeah. be clogging up the channel. Yeah. Uh, and, and that may, I mean, enough people say that that could just be the way it is for some people. I have literally never had that experience. Every time I look, I can find that I've identified with something. You know, for example, um, uh, here, you know, sometimes I have to go outside in the middle of the night with my dog because she has to potty and usually I'm okay. But then sometimes I'll hear a sound or she'll get this posture, you know, <laughs> like dogs can. And I feel this little rush of fear. Yeah. Even though, even though there wasn't a thought, there was just a sound and a rush of fear. I know I identified with the body in that moment. Sure. I knew I did. Right. The if, if, so if the body is going to get attacked by a beer, by a bear or a mountain lion, and I and I have this rush of fear about that. I'm identified with the body, so I have just every time I find something that isn't natural, I can look and find it. May have been quick, it may have been fast, it may have been more unconscious than conscious. But I can find there's an identification there with something other than true life. That's my experience. All I would say is just see if that's true. Um, but I've had a number of people tell me emotions just arise. So I don't know if that experience is different or if people just aren't subtle enough in looking. You know what I mean? So just play with it and find out what's true for you. Don't find yourself wrong, but be willing to play with it. Because if it is true that you're identified with something, well, that's good because now you can start finding what to shift away from, right? Right. And that's clear. You know, I could be watching something on TV and I get upset. I'm clearly identifying. I mean, it's no yeah. question. It's this other stuff that's not. Yeah. Safe. Just ju all I ask is that you play with it and don't, don't say, oh my God, I must be wrong. Just play. Just say, let me experiment with this and find out, you know, 
what's what, what's true you know just play yeah thanks thanks let's see ruby did you have your hand up or was that my imagination okay go ahead Yes, this is kind of piggyback on Lynn's uh, question. I was at my um, my granddaughter's, let me just hurry up, uh, softball game. And I was in the moment, no thoughts of looking at the game because that was my experiment, you know, my, um, and then I got this sensation, this sensation inside of me, it was like a, not a burning, but like a fear type of sensation. And I didn't, there was no thought attached yeah. to it. But then what I did is I, I looked for it. And my question is, do, what do you look for? Do you look for the story or do you no. look for like in the moment, like, like in the moment that I hear a sound or, and that fear and that fear arises, there wasn't time for a story. You know what yeah. I mean? But that doesn't mean yeah. I didn't identify with something because we aren't just talking about identifying yeah. with God, right? Remember I said any element yeah. other than God, right? So yeah. it may not be a story. It yeah. might it might be, an, and I'm making this I up. I got it, yeah. Thank you for at your daughter's game. It might yeah. be the mother role that got identified with without being a thought, just the mother role or, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. It, so, it. so it's not necessarily a thought. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Welcome. And that takes us out of time. So mm -hmm. it's been wonderful seeing you all. Uh, I didn't look at the calendar, but I think next Wednesday is May 31st, which if that's true, that means I will be here because I, you know, right? That's it. Selena says that's true. So I will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.